Hey everyone, welcome to Podcast Legends, where we talk to the uh, folks that were around in the beginning of the podcasting space. And uh, today I have on board uh, someone that uh, was definitely there at the very beginning, Michael Butler from the Rock and Roll Geek Show. Welcome to uh, Podcast Legends, Michael. Hey Todd, thanks for having me on. First of all, I'd like to say I'm a big fan, big fan. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> you, know, I've seen you so several I- times at the um, podcast, uh, what was it, at... Um, the thing in Ontario, and uh, it moved to Vegas, and uh, we always had uh, fun in the bar. Oh, my God. Did we ever have fun? It was good times. I miss yes, yes, it was. So, Michael, you know, when did you actually come on the scene for podcasting? When did you actually start your show? What was the – I guess give everyone just a little 411 on you, too, for those that don't know you. Well, I started the show probably about two weeks to three, two to three weeks after Adam Curry did his, and I was just looking for a way to promote my band, American Heartbreak, and um, somehow Adam, Adam Curry, uh, he started talking about other podcasts because it was so new. There wasn't, it, was, it wasn't even called podcasting back then, I don't think. But then he mentioned my show, and you know, all his fans started listening to my show, and it just kind of took off from there. My yeah. show, my show is just my show is basically a music podcast. It's but I it's a lo- mostly talk, but it's about music and other things. So it's kind of um, got its own community now. So I just been doing it for this whole time. Not really looking to get rich at it or anything like that, but still doing it. Yeah, that's amazing. So how many episodes are you up to? I think I'm up to like seven twenty five. I do about a show a week. But I've been permit. I've been participating in this Dog Days of Podcasting, so it's a thirty-day challenge where everybody does one a day. So, you know that helps. But generally, I do about once a week. You know that uh, it's it's a grind, you know, to get through this many years. You know, you've been here from the beginning. And there's not a you know we just before we started the show, we were talking about you know shows that are still going and talking about Dave Slasher's show and. You know, he's yes, he's got. You said he's got the longest running that you think at this uh, point. Yeah. Evil Genius Chronicles. Yeah, he does a show with me also called Mad at Dad, which is just two dudes talking. It's kind of like a ripoff of uh, No Agenda, except we don't talk politics; we just talk. <laughs> but it's not really a grind if you're not looking. If you're not trying to make money at it, you know, a lot of guys oh, got to go make some money. If you're not trying to do that, and if you're uh, if you like what you're doing and just having fun, it's not really a grind. I mean, the way I do it, it's not a grind anyway because it's not a lot of technical stuff. I don't have to edit much, and that's what makes it to me when it's not fun is when you're putting stuff into GarageBand and then you're editing this and editing that, and it becomes this big thing. And I just get on, turn on the mic, and talk for an hour. Yeah, that's that's me too. I don't I don't do any. Uh... You know, I do a little post processing, but I, I cut the end and the beginning, and I'm done. Yeah, you know, that's I don't, what's, that's if, what's if fun I had to about edit, it. I wouldn't do this anymore. Yeah, it would it's, suck. It's not fun doing that. It's fun when you got you have a community, I'm sure, and uh, I'm part of your community, by the way. Um, it's just fun. You just get on the get on the thing. You come, you respond to your people who listen to your show, and you just talk about what's ever on your head, and it's a lot easier. And it's a good time doing it like that. The biggest thing is just. Uh, finding an hour out of the day to sit down and do it. Yeah. So in the early days, though, when you, you know, you got hooked up with, uh, with Adam and the crew, you know, uh-huh. kind of go through that process and, and, you know, how that evolved. Cause I know you were over there at, at pod show, which turned in Mevio. And yeah. so you were heavily, you were heavy in the space for a while, weren't you? Yeah. I didn't really talk about it too much. Uh, well, once Adam started mentioning 
my sh- my show on his podcast, and then he started talking about Don and Drew, and there was like these several group of people that he was mentioning, and then naturally you expect that Adam was going to start a company around this, and the the he and Ron Bloom, I was actually he and him and Ron Bloom and uh, Dave Weiner were going to start this company, and they were going to get the group of. I guess the most known podcast at the time, which there were only about a dozen or two dozen podcasts happening at the time. And so they reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be part of it. I had a meeting and then something happened with Dave Weiner and I think he and Ron Bloom didn't really get along or something. And they eventually, you know, they, they reached out to me and they were talking about this company they were going to start at the time. It was called Boku or something like that. And about six months later, they eventually finally launched this company that got funding and, they brought me on board. And what happened was, though, they had this big promotion that was going to be quit your day job and become a podcaster. <laughs> you know, and I had my day job was painting houses. I wasn't really in the, in the radio business or anything like that. And what better guy to quit his day job than Michael Butler, house painter and musician? <laughs> so I was kind of like the poster boy for quit your day job. Hey, I don't mind being poster boy if they're going to pay me and give me some money. So I, I quit my day job and started working at Pod Show, which I enjoyed. It was a good good part of my life, and I learned a lot. So I'm, I'm actually grateful to Ron and Adam for um, thinking of me as the poster boy for quit your day job. Yeah, you, you were over there, and, and I know you did a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and yeah. um, you, you were working with talent and, you know, what we're you know. Well, can't tell the audience a little bit about what you're doing over there day to day. I'm a musician, and they, so they brought me in as a musician because I had a music show. You know, they needed when they did the show when they started their network. They needed a sports show. Then you know they needed everything. They needed a music show, and I became I was the music show. And they had to give me some sort of a title uh, when I joined Pod Show, and they made me director of artist relations. And they had something called the Pod Safe Music Network. So that's what they thought, figured they would have me come in and you know manage the Podsafe Music Network, and that's what I did at the time uh, when I before I started working there. Podsafe Music Network is really all just like unknown bands and stuff, and I said, you know, why not try to get some big bands on here? And I came in the first day I started, I just started getting you know bigger bands on there like immediately, and. I kind of made it where they couldn't get rid of me after their quit your day job <laughs> campaign stopped. And then eventually I kept working there and working there. And Ron Bloom, I think, um, liked me a lot because he's a musician as well. So they kind of kept me around. And there were a bunch of layoffs and stuff. And every time I'm saying, oh, shoot, shoot, I hope I don't get laid off. And they kept me on. And I eventually got a promotion and became, once they went into video, um, I ran the music network in, in the video space. And then eventually... Uh, the guy who was in charge of all of the programming, uh, he either quit or got fired, and I and they eventually gave it to me by default because it was nobody else that was there as long as me. So I kind of became vice president of programming or whatever you want to call it. You know, for a while there, um, after the PodSafe Music Network went down, that went offline. There was a, you know, it was a big void for podcasters finding music um you know what do you suggest podcasters do these days to find indie stuff for their shows the best thing to do is get is is uh try to get a relationship with artists start off by getting a relationship with some artists you know send them emails and stuff but the best thing to do is find out who these artists are represented by and reach out to them because um chances are 
the PR company that they're represented by represents a lot of other bands too that are similar to the band you like and you get a relationship with them and it's you know once you start doing that it's way easier because they're you'd be surprised how many bands want to get played on a podcast rather than want to get paid for being having their music played on a podcast most of these bands are happy for the exposure especially today in the music business you know it's so hard to get to get noticed out there so it's you just got to do your do your homework reach out to the people in charge it's not hard and you can also lie that's what i did when i first started i lied and said i was a huge radio station in san francisco (laughs) and they were happy to come on i would have interview bands and you know the secret in action you say it long enough it becomes true true did you um you know, when you were, uh, you know, I assume you're you're still doing your band today. Is uh, that uh, are you guys I'm, still rocking it? I'm in two bands. I'll never stop uh-huh. playing music. It's what I, it's what I do. So, so I I don't really promote my bands on my podcast. I talk about. It. I'll mention it in my daily life, but um, I mostly talk about bands that I like. So I'm not really doing it for self promotion of my bands. But I it really worked out well when I first started. When I was in, and now I'm in cover bands because of my age. Once you get to be my age, you get. Uh, you get tired of right. the business, so you get in a cover band, and it's a lot easier. So I don't really need to promote a cover band who's d- gigging all the time. So in the early days, what do you think the, you know, the impact was of your show for your for your band? Do you think it had a did it help you guys get out there and get noticed, or you know, what was your? Well, among the podcast listeners, amongst people listening to podcasts, it definitely helped me get noticed, and. Uh, Adam used to play our music all the time on his show, so that that actually helped a lot. And and we would go on tour of Europe, and people would know about my podcast, and they would come see our band because they were friend, they were listeners of the podcast. And so I think it pretty much helps. Everything you, you got to do everything if you're out there trying to promote your band. You got to get on. You got to go on podcasts. You got to get on. Get your social media crap going, and you got to tour. It's all just part of it, you know. I think today, you know, you look at the comedians are doing with their podcasts. They're, yeah. you know, using it as an outlet to uh, yeah. do stuff they not necessarily can do in their shows, or maybe an extension thereof. And yeah. it's part of their, you know, selling product. And you know, it's the comedians have really kind of figured it out. I think more than the than the folks that have bands like you. I think they've really, yeah. really uh, been able to hone that trade. If you're a comedian and you don't have a podcast. <laughs> You are screwing up because every comedian now who is trying to do something has a podcast. I guess Mark Marin uh, made that happen. Are they? And then that that network. Um, well, you have Blueberry Network. You, you're still doing that, right? You have a you have yeah. a uh, you have a list of shows on your roster, or you just are you just mainly um, hosting files and stuff like Libsyn? Well, largely a syndicator, and uh, and then we have hosting. So, so generally, uh, you know, we don't necessarily bunch- build. Uh, networks per se right. and i don't have necessarily have a roster yeah, so it's yeah. it's more of a general site because podcast one kind of took over where pod show kind of left off like 10 years after pod show stopped and decided that podcasting wasn't the way to go and pod and um podcast one kind of took over the you know what they were trying to do you know anything about how they're doing yeah, I think they're doing pretty good. I know oh, really? Norm over there at Podcast One. Of course, Norm, uh, you know, he came out of radio. He was the guy that built Westwood. 
Yeah. Um, right. You know, he got bought out later and made millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, the guy's got a uh, front row seat or, you know, season tickets or you know, whatever it is at, uh, in L.A. And uh, I think he's got four or five seats. And, you know, he, if you watch any uh, home L.A. basketball game, you can, you know, he's right down there on the front row. But he's done, uh, I think he's done well. And they've, they've got a pretty good cadre of shows over there and, you know, really focused on uh, – celebrities and yeah. they've got a lot of celebrities and that type of talent i don't know how much music stuff they've got over there well, though i know that they have a lot of shows but uh i'm starting kind of see i'm just might be off topic what you want to talk about but no i'm starting okay. to see a lot of the same stuff that happened with mevio which pacho became mevio for people who don't know um they're starting to tell their hosts hey you're you're we're having trouble advertising on your show because you're not brand safe and they make them um change their style a little bit which is the exact exact same thing that happened to Mevio. they told all their podcasts hey you got to be brand safe you got to do this and you got to do that and sorry and these shows started uh kind of dropping off um i'm seeing that happen on podcast one like um adam carolla has has started doing like a brand safe show and i don't think it's helping him too much Although I haven't listened to Adam Carroll's show that often, but uh, D. Snyder from Twitch's sister had a show on podcast one, and they told him that, and he just said, "Screw it, I'm a, I'm out of here. I'm not making any money." And I'm I'm seeing hearing less advertising on some of the shows that I listen to that are on there as well. I just thought maybe you had some inside information because it seems to me that once they start saying we can't get advertisers for your show, that that means the company's having trouble making profit. Yeah, I don't know what the financial shape is over there, but it, it's you know, I kind of agree with you. If you're starting to tell the podcasters they got to change their content, you know, you're kind of ruining the uh, in the space. You know, that's what this you know we built this on being able to say whatever the damn well we please without having to, yeah. you know, just not have to worry about those radio rules. But and you know, the advertisers have been in my in my perspective have been pretty good unless a show is like really out there most of the advertisers don't care they they understand stuff stuff has to be edgy today a lot of time uh, i think what i think some of the advertisers i mean i'm not as inside as you are but i think what they don't get is they they want to they want to um, have immediate results of their ads being played on the shows and i think it's more what they don't get is it's more about brand awareness than it is about actually making money using your promo code for that week or whatever. That's what I. You think. know, I, I think the story that they're telling the advertisers might be a little bit uh, off too. And you know, yeah, I always tell exactly. the advertisers that, you know, you're starting on a new show. It's you know you got several weeks of ramp up. Number one, the audience has got to trust the uh, the you know the trust the product and the you know, the podcast has to do the job to build that trust and story. And it takes a few weeks to get things kicked off if they're. You know, if they're demanding or if they're expecting, you know, conversions on episode one, add one, I think that's really not the, you know, it just doesn't, this isn't the way it works. You know, it's not like radio where you're getting three spots in your ear every hour or four or five, depending on how many breaks they're having. You're getting one a week. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's going to be a couple of weeks or a month before things ramp up. I always try to do like 90-day campaigns instead of like one-offs. Well, a lot of times people don't, there's so many podcasts out there, people don't even get around to listening to this week's episode for a month. Mm Mm-hmm. And by then, the advertisers go, well, I haven't got any, ad- any no, we've seen no growth in this month. <laughs> you know, I had Adam and Eve as a sponsor of my show for a long time. They were sponsors like for like four years and 
each month. Oh, it's been, for it would start off. It's great. It's great. And then, but really, what it, what was so great about it is I was out there pumping codes. You know, out there really promoting the codes everywhere. And it's not as much about. <clears throat> To me, as listeners, I mean, I guess they're good. They, the listeners of my show would actually go out and buy Adam and Eve stuff, but uh, eventually they just they they saw that uh, I don't know they they stopped Adam Carolla's show for a while too. So I don't know what my point is. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah, you know, I think there can be burnout. I'm knock on wood. I'm pretty lucky, man. GoDaddy's been with my yeah. show eleven years and they're still rocking it, and I'm. You know, they're writing checks still, so I, you well, know, I just... Uh, whenever I eat. need a GoDaddy code, first place I go to is Geek News Central, man. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because you know there's a code over there for you to use. But exactly. It's, it is it is an interesting dynamic, uh, having a sponsor for uh, that long because, you know, you always wonder, okay, is it going to dry up this month? You just don't know. So are, is and, yours, is your, uh, you may not want to tell me this, but is your sponsorship, is it based on all uh, affiliate deal or do they give you a set, set amount per month as just for doing it? Yeah, I get a. I get a base plus uh, okay. a bonus based yeah. on yeah. conversions. That's so what it was with Adam. I only get paid on new customers. So if someone comes in and renews, I, I appreciate the, uh, you know, appreciate the use of a hmm. code, but uh, I only get credit for those that are brand new. Well, that's so. So that's kind of the way it works. But it's worked out. You know, yeah. it's you know, keep turning on new listeners to the show, <laughs> keep bringing them on, bringing them new customers. But so it's, it's worked. You're not making your living. Through GoDaddy sponsorship, right? Oh, absolutely. You are pays making your bills. Living. Yeah. Oh, it pays all your yeah, bills. Absolutely. Okay, I figured you because you, yeah. you have the Blueberry Network is a good hosting site. I figured that would do a lot. And oh, it it does. But the you know, I live this thing. Uh, you know, I have to walk the walk and talk the talk. Right. And if and in order to do that, it's uh, to be able to believe in the advertising, I have to make it work my own show. If I'm going to make it work for other podcasters, yeah, yeah. but yeah, you know, I got my military retirement, so don't get me wrong; it's not a hundred percent. That's right. You're a, but, you're, a uh, you're, a, uh, you're an admiral in the navy or something like that. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> if I was an admiral in the navy and retired, I wouldn't be doing anything. I'd be just like uh, hanging out. <laughs> for, a, for a show like mine, which is a music show, which, which is kind of, I guess you would call it pretty a niche show, with I have a devoted community of listeners. But for a show like mine, I like the Adam Curry No Agenda model, which is a listen, which is a value for value, you know, donation supported. I, to, to me, for a show like mine, it's a lot less stress, and I don't have to worry about making somebody happy and making sure they get enough sales. You know, I can just have people send me some money you know, donate donate to the show which doesn't make it where i can quit my job but quitting my job really wasn't what i got into this thing to start with anyway so i'm happy doing what i'm doing with with donations no one does the added value part better than adam though man they they if they're doing it's what amazing they, if they're doing what they say they're doing that's pretty damn impressive man I think. What do you think they're pulling down a, a year? Do you according, think they're pulling down 150, 200k? According to Adam, they make 200 grand a year. I've heard him say that on interviews. Yeah, I believe it. I, mean, I if, believe if, it. You, if you sit there and count, I listen. I, I'm a loyal listener of No Agenda because I just think I love John Dvorak. He worked. He used to work at Mevio with us, and I love that guy. He's a laugh riot. Anyway, though, I listen to the show, and I'll sit there and I will sometimes I will count. <laughs> how much money they're, you know, I'll tally it up. And it comes down to like three grand an episode sometimes. And they're doing two episodes a week. 
That's not even counting. They don't even talk about the $5 donations and the $20 donations. And so good for them. I like that model. Yeah. I like that model. They can say what they want and they don't have to worry about, you know, if they, if they don't have to worry about talking about a a competitor to Adam and Eve or a competitor to GoDaddy or something like that, they can say whatever they want. And I, you know, I listen to them on a regular basis as well. And I think that the, I'd, what I'd really like to know is what's the contribution level at the $50 and under? What's that count? I would imagine that's, it's more. That's what I'd like to see. I would imagine that it's more. I would think so, too. So good for them, man. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And if, and, but they, you look at the work they put in on this show. They do three hours. Those guys so, do a lot of preparation with those oh. clips. I mean, unless listeners are sending them all those clips, even if the listeners are sending them their clips, they do a lot of preparation. And the stuff that Adam does, I mean, he, the stuff he doesn't get really uh, talk about that much, the production stuff he's doing – like a, he's like a one-man band while the show's going on. It's amazing. The guy is brilliant, man. Say what you want about it if you don't agree with what they're saying or whatever. The guy's brilliant as far as technically. The guy's absolutely brilliant. He's building a new podcast recording system. You know, He's built it from scratch for what he's needed for the studio there. I'm, I'm like – I told Adam, I said, I'm ready to write a check, dude. I want one of those because <laughs> – Yeah, so is everybody he's, else. It's crazy. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, how was it working with Adam at, at Mevio? And I know he was in and out because he was, you know, he was still doing the commute from uh, from the Netherlands, I think. And so how was it working in the, you know, how was it working for him? I like Adam a lot. I, I have a lot of respect for Adam. And what, what even gave me more respect for Adam is when the company started doing what I said earlier about shows not being brand safe and you got to, at one point I had to go through this thing and filter out everything that even had a mention of the word porn or anything like that. He quit. He just up and quit and says, I'm out of here. I don't want to do this. It's not fun. And he just left <laughs> and he offered to sell them his shares back. He, like me, he had a whole bunch of founder shares in the company. I had probably 150,000 founder shares. He offered to sell them back to the company. He wanted to get, you know, he said, I'm out of here. I'll sell my founder. He said, no thanks, we don't want to buy your shares. So he, he walked away and didn't make any money, as far as I know. Like me, he didn't make it. He walked away without making any money. Maybe they gave him yeah, severance, who knows. But Yeah, the startup biz is, you know, you either make it or you break it. You know, that's kind of the way it works on those on those founder shares. And it's, uh, you know, they had a great, you look at what they did, um, you know, I think they were the envy of the space, but it's, you know, it's it's when the advertisers got... Well, what you know. they did was the was due to the brilliance of Ron Bloom because there's nobody, I mean nobody that I've ever seen that can talk to investors like Ron Bloom can talk to investors. That guy is a salesman, man. So Adam was kind of like the face, you know, the MTV guy face, but behind the scenes, Ron Bloom was a was was a brilliant amount. Uh, brilliant talker as far as getting funding i mean i'd sit there and listen to him in meetings and i'd be in awe of how this guy can just bullshit his way through anything i don't think you know i don't think i ever met ron you know and i knew ron was the you know doing that part of the business but uh from the podcaster perspective uh you know being an outsider looking in i i I didn't have much perspective on him so that's kind of interesting you to say that and the I could, mover and shaker and getting the cash rolling. Yeah, it, that's what kept that company going was was keep getting rounds of funding from investors. You know? And then they figured out a way to uh, – I don't want to – I don't really want to badmouth the company. But they figured out a way to actually uh, break even 
while they continue to live off investor uh, money. And then when they run out of money, Ron Bloom can go right back to some more investors and get another round. How did, the company almost went down one time. We were all getting ready to lose our jobs. And he walked in, oh, got another million. Walked in, we got, we're all live. <laughs> and I would sit there and listen to meetings and I wouldn't know he was full of crap. I would sit, I knew, I, I would know he was full. And I would be on board. I'm on, I'm buying what he's selling. And I knew what he's selling was a load of crap. <laughs> So that guy's a that guy's a genius, man. I mean, I, nobody knows Ron Bloom, but I'm gonna tell you that guy's a genius. And he's our and he, Mevio, uh, they ended up um, going to another. They ended up moving down to L.A. and then they ended up just selling for whatever for to some other company. He start now. Ron Bloom is getting funding for a new company that's basically doing the exact same thing he was doing. It's amazing, and he's getting it- funding. The guy's a genius. So I have no, I, think, I, can, I have nothing but re- total respect for Adam and Ron Bloom, <clears throat> and I will until the day I die. You know, and I think even from my perspective, the the entire podcasting space, and you know, you got these young guys that come in, and and, nothing, and it's not their fault; they just don't know. And it's part of the reason I'm doing this show is the um, the stuff that was done in the early days, what right. Adam did, and you know, guys like you. This space would not exist, Michael, without them. They don't even you know, know it, that they don't even they could they think that uh, podcasting started with Mark Marin. Right. You know, he's the podfather or whatever. You, before it was uh Ricky Gervais, he was the podfather. Podcasting started with Ricky Gervais, and Ricky Gervais tried to start I, I guess he tried to start charging for his show and it died. So now yeah, now now everybody thinks podcasting started with Mark Marin and uh, NPR, I guess. So I you know, I think that uh you know, in reality, I think most of those folks know to a certain extent, you know, what happened in the early days. But, you know, you look at what we or what was accomplished in the early days of, you know, really going from, you know, people had been creating audio on the Internet for a long time. But that simple fact of being able to, you know, to walk that music out the door or walk that show out the door and have it in your pocket was yeah. You know, we all take it for granted now, but, if, you know, there was no iPhone then, you know, the iPod was in its, you know, I didn't even have an iPod when I started with podcast. I had yeah. a little MP3 player, you know, and it was, you know, per, and I still have it on my shelf as a reminder of. Is that the, uh, what is the iRiver? Yeah, it yeah, was like one of those little triangle shaped. Yeah, it was just a little player. And I think I could get like maybe. 10 podcasts on it. They yeah, had that I still much, have that, thing that too. lack of memory. Back then, you had to actually work to listen to podcasts. <laughs> it was a lot of work. You did. And it was even more work trying to get your feed where it wasn't broken and you had to figure stuff out and then you'd run, you'd have a database error because you had more than 20 listeners and it was all kinds of, it was tough back then. Now it's crazy. I know a lot of people, uh, earlier podcasts really are, are up, kind of. Uh, regret that we don't get the credit that we deserve. Uh, but, you know, honestly, I really don't give a crap. I think, too, that, um, you know, talking about the space as we are today and what, what happened, it'll give people some perspective as they listen to these episodes on, you know, guys like you. You know, you you had all this time, all this work that you did at Mevio and your own show and using it to promote your band. And, you know, I, I think it was... I think you and I, you know, I was a blogger and a horrible one, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. Um, and so when I heard, you know, Adam and uh, Dave doing Daily Source Code, it was like. Sounds like fun. It's like, yeah, it was, you know, and I think that's what all got us into it. It is you fun. Know, you know, 
Yeah, if it it's is. Not, it if, still is. If it's not fun, you don't need to be doing it. Right. Unless somebody's handing you a lot of money to do it, which I can't see that happening. Unless you're Larry King or something like that. But Larry King's show's podcast is going to die, too, trust me, before he dies. Yeah, I haven't listened to any of his shows. So no. I, is I'm he still that, doing an interview I'm, show? Is that I'm what using he does? that as an example. He's one of the podcast one shows. And you know, a, lot of these, a lot of these people are now doing podcasts because somebody handed them a lot of money. to. I'm, I'm assuming podcast one handed these people money to get them on board. I don't know why. But maybe, maybe, handed, maybe the guy at podcast one handed them a promise of a lot of money in the future, which is a possibility. But my guess is... Once these guys realize that they're not going to make money, they're going to drop off. Unless you're a comedian promoting your shows and all that. Well, the telltale sign over there at Podcast One will be to watch the the shows as they're. And I don't know, any, I have no clue on what type of contracts that yeah. uh, they have with yeah. those podcasters. But you'll know uh, the status of that place when you know, contract renewals come up and you start seeing shows drop off and uh, going either over to mid roll or some other company are completely just stopping you, you'll you'll have a good sense of what's happened internally there even if they don't publicly talk about it but you know they got a six million dollar investment by the folks um a, a radio group that came in and you know bought into uh podcast once so i don't think they're lacking in cash well as you uh, know uh when you have a bunch i don't know how many employees they have but when you have a bunch of employees and especially if you have an office building six million dollars goes pretty quick that's true so I don't, there's a couple of shows, a couple of shows that I listen to on a regular basis are podcast one shows. Well, so that's really the only, the only way I'm keeping up with their business end of it. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I hope they, I hope they may massively succeed. It's, it's I, only, I, it's you only, know, it's only good we all want that to happen because it all boats rise together, you know, with Gimlet Media and the folks at the podcast one and, you know, all those folks, the, the, you know, the more, they uh, succeed. It's gonna just. It's gonna trickle down to everybody. Yeah, but like I said, the main reason I do it is just because it's fun. I think that's the key. You know, you wouldn't be doing this after twelve years if it wasn't fun, right? Yeah, and at the very least, if you're a, guy, a music guy like me who likes to, who has a bunch of favorite bands and stuff, you, it's a good vehicle to get it, get into shows free too. You know. You know, one thing that Tim reminded me of was the uh, the whole Mevio uh, deal with uh, where there was kind of a little bit of a, I guess for, for better words, Adam was like, we're not going to any trade shows. We're going to have the, what what did they call it? The unshow? Right. Or I can't remember yeah. exactly what yeah. they called that. Um, right. I Yeah. I What was it? The unexpo or whatever it was. What, what, did, or, what did they call the, what did Tim Borkwin call the thing in Ontario? What did he, what it was, was the. Podcast a new media expo, and then it changed and become the new media expo. When he sold it to the next group, it became the new Blog World and New right, Media right. Show, or something like that. It changed names, you know, three four times. But um, when Tim had it, it was Podcast and New Media Expo. Uh, well, the the whole thing with Adam is uh, that's what Ron. I think Ron Bloom came up with the idea to do uh, because I didn't didn't Tim want Adam to speak and or no he wanted what he wanted was Pacho to become a major sponsor of the right um, of the thing and i think ron didn't want to spend the money so he decided hey i'll know how how we can get even more publicity for this we'll start the on uh, the opposite of it which i think was just all like you know just a pr move but it was entertaining at the yeah, time exactly, you know it's exactly, all of us were kind of exactly it, it, 
it was it was fun because they had a I think you guys had a little you met up with all your podcasters at a in a hotel right. that was down the street or something yeah. had a party if I remember correctly uh-huh. but it was a it was smart because Adam you guys used that as a way to you know bring in more talent and sign more shows so. Yeah. I went in, uh, and, and a good way to write everything off. But I went to your parties, and your your parties were the f- ones to be back then in Ontario. <laughs> oh, I don't know how we didn't get thrown out of hotels, naked <laughs> yeah, women being painted, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Good times, man. So yeah, back then, a pod show was like the. Um, with all the independent podcasters who were not signed to Pod Show, they were considered like the uh, evil, evil giants or whatever. You know, the big, the guys that, you, that everybody was going to hate because they were uh, making podcasting commercial or whatever. But it was just a, it was just a, kind of a joke to me. You know, but it, it, there was a. Um anti-money movement for a while you yeah. know when i uh Which announced my book deal you know, and pe- people like raged against me for be, weeks yeah. i lost a huge portion of my audience uh, because i took money to write same, a book the same people are saying anti-money you offer them some money to do their show and you see how anti-money they are it's bull crap <laughs> bull crap but it was it was I interesting can't to watch you're taking that advertising whole dynamic, on your you know, show the early days of yeah. Oh, you take money, you've sold out. It's yeah, true. That's, that's what it was. There was a lot of that. But yeah, uh, now, you know, everyone's chasing a dollar, trying to figure yeah, out how exactly. they're going to, you know, pay for their show. And, you know, the way I always looked at advertising and podcaster, there are going to be shows that are going to make uh, dinner money. There's going to be shows that make car payment money. Some will make house payment money and some will make, you know, quit your day job money. But uh, that quit your day job money isn't, it's it's not a, uh, that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, and it's definitely not the reason to start a podcast. That's tight. which I doubt anybody now is starting a podcast for that reason, unless, it, like I said, if someone like Larry King who's had somebody offer them money. But yeah, it's fun. It's it's quite interesting being from the beginning how everything has uh, progressed. I like it. I like it. it. It cycles. You know, we've seen. You know, you see certain trends, and they just—it's kind of like this uh, sine wave. It's, you know, it goes away for a little while, and then the trend comes back, and you just roll your eyeballs because you're like, again, or someone's going to try this again, and they just don't know the history that it's maybe been done twice and or three times, and they think they've got an original idea, and sometimes they have a different spin on it, but uh, you know, I've we've thrown a lot of stuff up against the wall and thought it was going to stick. And, you know, the next thing you know, it's, it's a dud idea, but, uh, well, it's interesting though. Medi- meanwhile, there's a couple of companies who have continued to stay out there and that's, uh, I would say Libsyn's one of them. They're continuing to, I don't know if they're making a profit. They're keeping going and, uh, your blueberry things continuing to keep going. Don't you have employees? Yeah, we have 13 people well, and I don't know how many Libsyn has, but, uh, you know, Libsyn's definitely still king of the hill as far as the uh, number of podcasters that are hosting with them. And I think publicly they're pulling down oh, – I thought I saw something on a 10K because uh, they're a, a gray sheet company now. What's that um, mean? I don't know what that means. Something affected like $3 million a quarter or something like oh, that. No, so, that's so good you know, they're me. making some cash. Well, the props to you and, and Libsyn and companies like that who just continue to keep going. That's what everybody a, should be watching. Everybody should be using you guys as a as a model. You know, we wouldn't have survived though in the beginning, Michael, if we had not. Uh, you know, we were mean and lean for a while. Hell, we all worked out of our homes for like the first 
three or four years. I don't think we had an office until like year five. Um, you know, a lot of our guys are still remote. The programming team and the admin team are, are largely in the office in Columbus. But um, you're right. It, if we would have had an office building or something like that, we didn't never survive. Yeah, we, you know, we wouldn't have made it. Just couldn't have done it quit. financially. It's amazing how how fast you can burn through that cash. Yeah, and it's it's um, I mean expenses in a you know every time you have an office you didn't well payroll my uh, God payroll in itself it. is you know you look at the amount that goes out every month for that and your that kind of mind boggles you just a little bit but yeah um, it's just you know it's part of a business you have to make this you know people ask <laughs> us sometimes too well you're not as cheap as so and so I'm like well yeah I don't have employees in China and I employ employ people here in the United States and they have to make a fair wage so is blueberry. Blueberries is it your main uh, source of income? Is that is mainly hosting? Uh, it's a combination of hosting, uh, advertising. We have uh, enterprise services too. So like ESPN and ABC companies like that use our uh, our metrics platform. So uh, it's a mix, really. Uh, advertising used to be the the large majority of our revenue, but probably five years ago that. Uh, kind of flipped on us so now the services business is uh, the majority of the of the revenue do you have a guy out there that just goes and meets with advertisers is that you yeah that's me so you have to go to their office and give them the presentation and all that yeah go well, quarterly and see him and we tell the maid to come back can you come back in 30 minutes thank you well, props to you for doing that, man. That's a, a big undertaking. I would, not, oh, I would not be able to handle that. See, stress. those media buyers suck. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine they have no clue, and you gotta, you gotta combination uh, convince them and probably feed, walk a fine line between uh, BS and um, and schmoozing. I guess. It, you know, I remember one of the very first meetings I had in New York with a with a media buyer, and Adam had been there a couple of weeks before and done a presentation oh, really? and um i was really be frank quite clueless uh -huh. and uh, i'd went to the uh to the meeting and this uh one gal that i met with i'll be honest she was a ball buster man she oh, just boy. oh <laughs> it, it was a it was a lesson in uh, uh what not to say and uh we got all done with uh with the meeting and of course there was you know probably 20, 18 to 25 year old or 25, 20 to 25 year old that are handling the accounts. And the, the uh, young lady said to me, she said, so what present did you bring us? Did oh you bring us an iPod God. or did you bring, what did you, what did, you know, she was expecting now, a don't present. Don't you just feel like just <laughs> flipping them off and telling them to go jump? I mean, that is such you know, crap, and, and I was man. astonished. And so they're, they're I, not even, and they I have, thought, and they have no intention of advertising with you. They just want their free iPod. So I had brought uh, from Hawaii. I had brought uh, chocolate macadamia nuts or uh, something. So I left that, a couple they, of boxes. Is that all of we chocolate. got? Was these lousy chocolate macadamia nuts? Ugh. And they probably they probably <laughs> threw them in the trash. Yeah. These are so, probably uh, old. He probably bought them at the airport. <laughs> Get this crap out of my office. That's lame, man. That's why I could not do that. So that was uh, that was kind of my indoc into doing media buyer meetings. Now, I will say this, though. The media buyers today, um, they have self-implemented a lot of uh, rules and, like, they can't accept gifts. You oh, can't really? take them okay. to lunch anymore. Huh. So they have really... 
change the way that whole, you know, it's all about transparency now. So yeah. you can't go in there and, you know, take them to a steak right. dinner. That's not allowed anymore. Yeah, they're so worried about legal implications now. <clears throat> yeah. But in the early days, oh, hell no. You, you know, someone, I'm in Vegas and, and the media buyer meets me in Vegas and, you know, way, $10,000 in, you know, for wine and dining them. Yeah, same way it used to be for record companies and radio stations. The radios, what did you, you had used to put a gram of cocaine and a $100 bill in the record that you gave to the DJ. It's the same thing. Wow. Payola. So that's largely gone, thank God, and it's been gone for a while. So, and it, you know, it's really you know, you go to the finance guy and you're like, oh, I've got uh, you know, I need five thousand dollars for the entertainment budget, and he's like, What are you spending money on? Well, we're taking the client out to dinner, and you know, you get that eyeball look. You don't have to do that anymore, thank yeah. goodness. So, do you does that because of that? Do you have a lower advertising budget now, or, or to you know, to go out and get advertising? Is your budget lower? No, no, I, I still do quarterly. Yeah, I do the rounds, go to L.A., San Francisco, But you're not having Dallas, to spend Houston. as much now. Are you having to spend as much? I, I don't – it's just travel costs and going yeah. and do the meetings. And, so, you know, we still get a fair amount of business from those meetings, so, so you, you have to go and grin and grip. Um, yeah. And it's, it's true. You get this rotation of people too, so you got to go back in and kind of reeducate. Um, I get a lot of business now, believe it or not, that just uh, finds us from the website, and, well, and we do a lot of phone calls now. I'll, I don't have to travel as much as I did. So but, you're having people reach out to you now rather than the other way around? Yeah, and well, and typically good. the beginning spends are not as big. You know, right, I, yeah. in the early days, they would someone would come in with a fifty, sixty thousand dollar purchase order for you know ninety days on. You know, 50 shows. Now, uh, many advertisers will come to us and they'll maybe have a, a starter budget of maybe 5, 10K that they'll want to do a trial run on. And then usually you can up it. But uh, now, does your I, thing I, consist of, does the uh, advertising consist mainly of pre rolls or host endorsements? Yeah, I do all host endorsements. Yeah. I don't do any pre rolls. Yeah, okay. I think a lot of the companies out there now are doing a lot of pre rolls, but we just haven't. Any of the host endorsements just work for us, so yeah, that's they, you know we've stuck with it. Yeah, they. As far as the per, the consumer, uh, I would imagine host endorsements work a lot better than uh, pre rolls to the consumer. Well, if you're if you're doing a good host endorsement, then. You know, if your audience trusts you to begin with exactly. and you're telling them the product works and, you know, here's the mistake. I know a guy that took an ad deal. He actually uh, found out later that he hated the product. And, of course, the campaign didn't do so good because he didn't come across as sincere. Right. So, you know, why would you want something in your show that your audience is going to buy and then – the backlash that would come from your audience would be, you know, like they'd say, man, what are you doing promoting this, this, this product sucks. Well, you that's, know? What, and, that's a good lesson for people who are out there trying to get advertising. Make sure you like the product you're advertising. Cause if you don't like it, why would you want to be advertising? Cause it's going to come, it's going to come across. Yeah. I got a, I got a call maybe two or three months ago from a guy that had a product and he's telling me about it. And, I told him on the phone, I said, you know, I'd like to spend your money, but your product sounds shady. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I, yeah. I just, uh, you know, as much as I'd love to spend your money, I just can't present this to the podcasters. He was astonished uh -huh. that I actually would walk away from a deal right. based upon a phone call and me 
learning about the product. But, you know, if I brought that to the podcasters and they start looking at it, they, they, they would be telling me, why are you bringing me this shady you deal? You lose your credibility with all other advertising, with all other things that you are promoting. Right. But let's get back to you a little bit. So on your, you've been doing this now for, you know, since 2004. And when did you actually start? Do you remember your date that you started your show on? Well, I thought it was August 14th, but I was informed by Dave Sluster that I was wrong. So I think it was probably around September, the first week of September, either the first or second week of September. There was, when I started, there was me, there was Adam Curry, there was Dave Slusher, and I believe there was um, Doug Kay, IT Conversations. Yep. I think that was the only four actually doing a podcast. Yeah, I came in like October 14th. I was about a month and a half in. And and still there wasn't that many. I think there was maybe 70 or 80 shows at that point. But it was crazy. Those were crazy days on, you know, building an audience. It was like instant audience. And I, you know, I think we all went through the challenges of, like you said earlier, getting the feeds cracked and keeping the shows online just because we didn't have you know, hosting like Libsyn at that time. We how, had to we had to figure out how to make it how many delivered those, on our own. How many of those shows that started that early are still going, I wonder? Yours is still uh, going. Dave Slush is still going. Mine's still going. Don and Drew's still doing a show? Yep, they're still going. So I would say you could probably count them on one hand. One or two. And we're going to figure out how many of them are still doing it by doing this show, reaching out to guys like you. But... We have to get Dave on because you know he was he was way early. I you know I I saw Don and Drew. Oh man, uh, where were we right? We're at podcast movement in Chicago. Oh, that's right. They got the Hall of Fame award, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah. Don has not changed. Yeah. Neither has Drew. Oh my, not a bit. Yeah. I mean, they're nice people too. So oh, wonderful people, and she she's just as funny as ever, and you know, and Drew's just the way he is, and he's still doing the skateboard thing, and you know, it's just That's they have not changed. They're that, just a little older, and uh, were, maybe a few more gray hairs. <laughs> that was the thing was because they were on their show was honest. To begin yep. with, and that's—I yep. would say—that's a pretty good lesson for people who are doing a podcast. Be honest. They broke ground, man. They did stuff on that show that <laughs> no one had done in yeah. audio programming. You know, yeah. <laughs> the topics that were covered on that show were like, you know, mind blowing because people just didn't talk about some right. of the stuff they talked yeah, about. I love those guys. They're—they're they're me good too. Pe- they're good people. I don't think I will – I can prou- – not proudly, but I can probably guarantee you that Rock and Roll Geek Show will never get a Podcast Hall of Fame award. But we'll see. I don't know how those guys are doing their selection process over there anymore, to be is honest that, with you. But uh, you're still active. You're still going. They, is that, and I, I think you know, you've done a lot of stuff in the podcasting space. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Who is – who's doing Is that Gary Leland? That's Gary Leland and uh, Dan Franks and the team over there. Yeah, yeah. I know Gary Leland. they've done a great job. Gary Leland, super nice guy. I've had conversations with him when uh, when we went to the thing in Vegas. I had several, a lot of conversations with him. He's a nice guy, big softball uh, aficionado, he's, right? He, he's a shrewd businessman. He's uh, been very successful he, for himself, he did the and podcast he's used his podcast to you know, the, build his sales, and he's gotten you know he's, he's done very very well. I like Gary a lot too. Remember podcast pickle. Oh, of course. <laughs> that was the, fun, man. The pickle made a reoccurrence with a little different motif at uh, Podcast Movement. Gary found some teenager to walk around oh, in that it's thing. A different but, co- it's a different, oh, my God. Those different, early days with the pickle showing up. A you know, different he spent costume. Like, 
1800 bucks for that thing in the early days and then paid some kid minimum wage to stand around and wave at people. I remember I interviewed (laughs) the podcast pickle for pod for pod show. (laughs) That was good times back then, man. I miss those days. Well, um, I think we've covered anything. Is there anything that you can remember that you, uh, and oh, by the way, that you want to talk about or any secrets or any juicy stuff? Uh, well, I started to go into the juicy stuff with Mevio, but I have to save that for uh, <clears throat> when I'm about to die because I don't want to get murdered for saying <laughs> stuff. I would like to, again, I would like to commend you for uh, being uh, a champion for independent podcasting. I would say there's hard, there's probably nobody that's doing more to champion independent podcasting as a, than you are. So I, I want to thank you for that. And I also want to apologize to you for uh, starting, for registering the web domain podcast circle jerk and pointing it to the podcast awards. I was just all meant in good fun. <laughs> well, if, uh, if you've stayed abreast from that stuff, it has become a circle jerk. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Of course it is. Of course it is. But there's nothing wrong with a good circle jerk occasionally. So, Absolutely. You know. <laughs> all right. All right, Michael. Thanks so much and right, uh, appreciate you coming on and where can they find you and uh, people have they want to email you how they how they reach out to you. You can find me at rockandrollgeek.com. You can find uh, you can call in area code 706-621-rock. That's area code 706-621-7625. You can find me on the Facebook R&R Geek, find me on the Twitter R&R Geek, find me on the Instagram Rock and Roll Geek Don't Ask. All right, you can tell I've said that a few times. Yes, you have. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Michael. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks for being on Podcast Legend. And you are one of the podcast legends. There I appreciate you go. it. All right. Thanks, Todd. Uh, take care.